another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, a very special off-season episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. Basically, this is going to be the Danny Colaprico show for this particular episode. Uh, in case you out there listening didn't know, Danny Colaprico got called into U.S. Women's National Team camps for the friendlies that just took place against Portugal and Scotland and it turns out Colaprico got some time on the pitch and it was such a huge deal Southside Trap decided to break their off-season hibernation and do an episode about it and I couldn't do it alone no one could do it alone so I had to get together with my friend homie colleague Claire Watkins the H-Cam originator and we're just chilling doing this episode with uh, Vala Capriccio and some I don't know what this is Cap- Capricola Gabagool I don't know yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so before before the so we we knew Danny was going into camp, and before the games were ever played, Sandra texts me and she said, uh, "If Danny gets any minutes, any minutes at all, we got a pod." And I said, "If Danny gets any minutes at all, I'm gonna fucking die." <laughs> and uh, she got quite a few minutes actually. Um, and so, yeah, so now we are here with Sangria and Meat to uh, discuss kind of what went down. And I'm happy. I'm stoked. It's great. I'm excited. It's been kind of it's been kind of weird. It's been kind of wild. We're we're hitting. We're about to hit two months of off season, and I feel like people are starting to come apart <laughs> at the seams here just in, in, in terms of the off season madness so it was kind of like this very convenient and like beautiful blessing that was like bestowed upon like Chicago soccer fandom that Daniel Colaprico got this call up I think that a lot of people saw those names listed and sort of blocked some things out and were just really excited at the idea of a player like her getting into um, some camps at the end of the year like this and I think there was also sort of this feeling where maybe people thought that a player like her actually might not get some minutes going into these friendlies. Did you think we were going to see her on the pitch? I thought, um, I thought if there was any possibility, I, I, the thing is, is her getting called into this camp, especially because this is probably the, these are the last games before hardcore world cup prep. They're going to France in January. That is hardcore. Um, and I think, Jill Ellis is going to want to try to win those games. Um, so the fact that she got called in with Jess McDonald and with kind of a, a random name like Emily Fox made me think, actually, yeah, she might get some time. I wasn't expecting a full second half in the first game, but I, I thought that this was perhaps um, Jill really rounding out not her final roster, but definitely her player pool. And... Um, so I, I did think that she would get – I actually really did think she'd get some minutes. Um, I – and was thrilled – I was really thrilled that she got a whole half. I thought it was going to be probably more like 25 minutes or something in, in, in the second half, so. Yeah, no, so you've got off season like I was talking about, and then – so and Red Stars and their 2018 campaign, and, you know, with a fourth consecutive playoff appearance, they ended up in the semifinal um, – then the offseason nukes comes out that we sort of come to expect with this sort of 
kind of unofficial partnership between NWSL and W League where you see an extensive number of players moving from NWSL into contracts with Australia's W League, which is cool um, because it allows it allows these some of these players to continue getting game time in their quote unquote off season. It allows them to continue to earn a paycheck and all that other good stuff. Money is fun to have sometimes. Um, and Danny Colaprico was announced to Sydney FC, and right when she played a game was when she got called in to these to these camps so it was one of those like womp womp moments but at the same time it was you couldn't help but but feel excited and that first game against Portugal I think it became even more likely because we started to hear that players were going to leave due to like personal commitments and sort of not be a part of the camps and then the, the friendlies that were about to take place. So then you, you kind of thought it kind of raised some, some mirrors and sort of like, well, yeah, this could probably happen. And it ended up happening in that first game against Portugal. And then Danny Colaprico was a sub right at halftime. And I thought it was a, a good 45 minutes. I felt for that starting lineup, uh, Andy Sullivan was, was placed in the midfield and, there ended up being a substitution, and when that was done, when that was made, you just sort of saw Danny Colaprico connect a bit better with a player like Lindsay Huran. Um, and I felt there were moments when she was, you know, when you found her on the ball, I felt like she was making some better decisions with the ball. Um, I thought her passing was a little bit better. Um, so I think that to get a solid 45 was huge. And then to also not just see a, a 45 minutes in a match like that, but to also be a player to kind of contribute to the shift of momentum in a game, I thought was pretty important. Um, what did you think of the 45 minutes? I thought she did well. I thought, um, I thought that she definitely did a better job connecting than Andy Sullivan did. And um, I don't think, it, I don't think it meant nothing that, uh, I mean, not to get too ahead of myself. I don't think it meant nothing that Danny got minutes in the second game and Andy Sullivan didn't. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to overstate a comparison there. I don't think there is a huge one. I don't think those two are competing with each other uh, for a world cup roster spot right now. Um, but I thought Danny came in. She calmed play down a little bit. Um, she stayed deep. It was definitely a very classic number six role that she was filling. Uh, I thought there were a number of moments where she um, very specifically passed well out of pressure. And, yeah, it seemed like she was trying to <laughs> – she was working very, very hard to – uh, find pockets of space both for her and looking for other players. There was one moment in particular where um, it was early on when she subbed in, and I don't remember the minute, but she had the ball and she passed it in front of Lindsay Horan. She actually did that a couple of good times during that game where she passed, she saw where she was, she saw where Horan was, and she passed the ball into space where she knew Horan was going. 
And that is actually a kind of play that we don't see a lot from the U.S. That kind of we, we see it with some players, but that's not necessarily something that they prioritize, which is understanding movement in space, especially in the midfield. You see a lot of passes played. You see a lot of passes played to midfielders' feet and then played in front of forwards, but you don't necessarily see the ball played in front of the midfield. And I think that there were some elements of that that I thought were really interesting. Um, and definitely brought kind of a different flavor to that as she was playing. Um, but none of it was flashy, and it was also very – it looked like her first cap. She was working very hard, and um, and there were a couple moments where she – like, she tripped a couple of times. And I just always go back to Kelly O'Hara saying about her first cap that, like, you, you just, like, black out when you go in. And I get – like, I get it. So I thought she – for someone who probably just – like, I, I think I said is like, it must feel like the ground is just, like, swallowing you whole. I think she did a great job. Yeah, and I, I think of the two games, um, the the Portugal match is maybe sort of a better blueprint to build on for a, pl- a player like Colaprico versus the 14-ish minutes that she ended up getting against Scotland. And especially in that second 45 for, for Portugal, I know that Ertz ended up being a late sub in that game as well, but... Ertz ended up subbing in and then being pushed into the back line at center back. So I think for a moment there, you might have thought, oh, like what if we try to see Colaprico and Ertz maybe sort of play off of each other, uh, but we didn't get to see that happen in a national team game. Um, we saw it happen a little bit a, a few times in the in the 2017 season as as Julia sort of made her emergence as this, as this holding mid um but we weren't able to see it in that game and even if we were able to see it in that game you would have only seen like five minutes of it it would have been again not a really good point I mean again I'm not entirely sure in 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 that way I I'm not sure the vision necessarily for Colaprico in a national team um sort of setup is for her to play with Ertz it seems like she might actually be an Ertz alternate in that universe. So, um, because obviously Jill Ellis really likes Julie Ertz as her, as her six. Um, and so I, and, and when, the, yeah. So anyway, I, like they have different ideas, I think about where people should be, but, um, with Danny coming in and, and playing that role very classically as a number six, I'm not sure that those two are necessarily meant to interplay so much as it's just more about, other looks for maybe when Julie Ertz might not be available. Totally fair and a good point. With the 15 minutes, 14-ish minutes against Scotland, um, I think it was also a bit of a the, – the vibe of the game was just completely different. Maybe not completely, but definitely different versus the game that they had against Portugal. They still had a one-goal a one lead, but you had a lot of these moments of late game – opportunities and moments of pressure from Scotland to try to find that equalizer and I think in those 15-ish minutes you saw some moments of it's it was hard to say if like the game was just overly physical there was one moment where you and I where you and I were sort of looking at a replay and we thought did the referee just like bump off Colaprico and like she land 
on her knees and it kind of looked like the at one point kind of got uh chipped by the 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 referee and it was like god what does Danny Colaprico got to do to stop being messed with by the official but it was uh it was definitely a vibe in that game yeah I mean the the end of the Scotland game was it seemed like it Danny Colaprico was not the only person who got like thrown to the ground at the end of that game but um no and and yeah, and I know that that was that was like the whisper out of the last camp she was in that she was good and she had vision and she was a smart soccer player, but they were concerned about her like being able to physically compete, um, specific not even necessarily with the competition, but even just with her U.S. Women's National Team teammates, and um, which like that's a high bar to clear, um, and like you have to look at it in a number of different ways obviously like in both the Portugal game and the Scotland game Danny got just like dumped to the ground a couple of times and hard fouls which you cannot hold fouls against the fouled player <laughs> um a couple of times like I said there were weird moments where it just it seemed like she didn't feel super sure of just like the ground beneath her um but also I I, I again it was just first caps like first and second cap stuff um, and, and we talked about this too. There is, there was one moment in the Scotland game where she had a bad giveaway in midfield, but the way she w- recovered was actually incredibly sophisticated. Um, she, so the, the way that she, so she gets stripped, the ball gets blown out wide for, and I forget who it was who was in the game at that point. It might've been Crystal Dunn might've drawn, gone, been gone, gone back to left back at that point. And then. Or it was actually no, it was Becky. It was someone. I think it was either Becky or, or yeah, someone. Someone dealt with the situation outside, and Danny made a very smart defensive run right into the box for a cross that did ultimately come. And I thought that a lot of times, if you have a player lose the ball like that, they'll run back and they'll just like maul the player that stripped them because they're trying to recover for that mistake. But it was a very spatially aware move that Danny made after doing that. No, yeah, I would agree. I, I think it was Sarver, and I think this, the the giveaway happened in mid, and then Scotland took off, and you have a a, a veteran center back like Becky Sarver, who also read that from where she was, and ended up making that run to, like you said, handle that situation. But I think that's a really good point to make that. Maybe there was a, a a bad decision made, but it was like sort of really impressive to see the good decisions that she was making after those moments. Um, even like I I know again like just to, to piggyback what you're saying about the physicality of the stuff. For people who don't know who aren't aware, you know, back in 2016, a number of Chicago Red Stars players got called into. Um, a U.S. national team camp. I believe it was Colaprico, Casey Short at the time, um, made a name for herself out of those camps, and uh, Aaron Gillen as well. Um, but, you know, I feel like a player like Colaprico is, is not the same player that she was in 2016 versus who she is now in 2018, which is why the, the sort of like, oh, the physicality question mark is kind of funny to me because there were moments where it was like you know you had these reactions where people were like oh like she getting pushed off the ball but also is this game just like honestly ridiculously physical there was a moment where yeah technically she was shoved off the ball but guess what it was also a foul that was called on that player and the United States like retained possession in a free kick you know what I mean and I think for those of us like whether you know myself or, or you or 
you know, any other of our colleagues who, who cover this league, the NWSL, and in particular for those of us who cover the Chicago Red Stars and sort of have to cover them in a way where we have to analyze them and critique them. Uh, the, the question of physicality for Colorpico to me is it's funny because I watch Danny Colorpico play these games and I'm just like, yeah, physicality isn't an issue for this player. You've got a player like Colaprico who's what, five foot stuff it and doesn't care, does not care if she is put up against a player who is five nine. She will go up against that player and she will just like jump hot, whatever, and challenge this player. It doesn't matter that they're like a foot taller than her. So that's why the, that kind of question coming out of these two friendlies is a little bit funny to me because I think for me, it's more just sort of like first time kind of moments versus like you can't handle that kind of pressure. I don't, I, I don't believe that I'll go on record saying that I don't believe that at all, just because of what I see coming out of club. I think there was one game in particular this past, just this past season. I, I believe it was in that, that final regular season match against North Carolina where I was watching this game and I think I was, I was covering it and I was live tweeting from the press box and I was blown away because there was this one moment where there was this sort of 50, 50 ball and Danny Colaprico goes up against Sam Mewis of all people. And you see Danny Colaprico jump for this sort of 50, 50 ball and Sam Mewis kind of cower and because of that, like gets called for a foul. So I, I immediately thought it was like I reacted to it and I just kind of said, I think Danny Colaprico got called for a foul for jumping higher than Sam Mewis. So like the whole idea of like physicality for me with Colaprico is kind of funny coming out of these games because it's just kind of like, well, this is like she got less than 90 minutes, you know, between both of these games. And both of these games were pretty physical in particular that scotland game i think there are way more pros to take out of both of these games for a player like colaprico versus uh any cons would you agree or disagree absolutely i thought that she did everything that she was asked to do um yeah and and it's kind of what you were saying where it's a testament it's a testament to the league and it's what you want from nwsl players to come in and uh have their first caps and like not lose their minds. Like there's, there's value to having someone who's a league veteran, even as a first time U.S. women's national team player, there's a caliber of, of, uh, mental engagement to that, that it whittles down the process. And, and this is something, this was something I had a conversation with somebody else about relatively recently, which is, um, as the women's game continues to develop, you're going to need more and more players that can just jump in and do this. Like we don't, we are no longer going to have this system where we develop and develop and develop and play all these friendlies and do all these camps. And that's how you make players better. We're going to need players who can get called in and a week later, be jumping into like the largest stage and contribute for this team. That's the way that the U.S. can maintain an edge on the international stage, and that's what the NWSL is for, essentially. And so I, um, Danny Colaprico is an incredible example of this. Another one's McCall Zerboni. Another one is Jessica McDonald. And you can argue forever whether or not you think that that is your top, they're in your top 23, but we need players that can jump in and do well and, like, make themselves proud 
And I think that Danny did that. So I was really happy. Yeah, and if not for nothing, if we didn't get anything else out of this match, we got some funny moments, like the reference to Capriccio, Sangria, or Capricola, or Capricola meets. Yeah, there was a, there was a moment where Colavriga was finally subbed in for her first cap, and I think the name was wrong on sort of the Twitter graphic. And, of course, like most wonderful things on the internet, everybody just went ahead and just ran away with it. Yeah, there was no respect put on her name for her first cap. Literally. They uh, did not get her name right. Her own team. It was unfortunate. But also, what a gift to everybody else. Agreed, 100. I do appreciate that they they put half respect. And in the sense that they, they put the Y on the name. Because for people... Out there who don't know, now you know. It's Danny with a Y. Yeah, can I, just, can I, I actually really do want to talk about this because um, this is actually a question that I've asked as a media member, which is if someone primarily goes by a nickname, is it professional to refer to them by that nickname? And the question, the answer back is usually yes. If it's their preferred name, like, great. Um, and it's on all of her social media, everybody. Two N's, one Y. It's not more correct to see to say D A N I. That's incorrect. There is a Danny with an I in the NWSL, but it is not Danny Colaprico. Never has been, guys. It's incorrect. Have, get, just put, have some respect. <laughs> Use a Y. We were, if in the event that no minutes were to be had for Colaprico, we were going to have this episode anyway where we just talked about putting respect on the name. And it would have been fine. We would have just been chatting about that, and you guys, all five of you, would have been listening to it anyway. It, it would have been fine. So uh, what's next for a player like Colaprico? Uh, she'll probably end up heading on back to W League, um, reconnecting with Sydney FC. Claire, have you been able to keep up with W League? I'll go on record and say that I haven't been able to, unfortunately, this off season. How about you? Um, yeah, I've watched I've watched some highlights. I watched uh, 60 minutes of Sydney versus Melbourne City, um, which was ironically a game that Danny did not participate in. Um, seems like some wild stuff is already going on down there. Uh, uh, you know, the only news is that um, Yuki Nagasato is finally going to join Brisbane, which I don't know what it was exactly that held her up, but she's there now, so... In a way, in a way, honestly, I'm I'm glad that she got a bit of an off season before she jumped in there. So um, that's good for the Red Stars. Uh, yeah, it seems like uh, everyone is is having a great time down there. We were just talking about this. Nikki Stanton's still trying to get people to adopt dogs <laughs> in Chicago right now. So yeah, short shortly before we hopped on to record this podcast, we were browsing social media and we noticed that. Our Chicago AF winner um, for 2018, Nikki Stanton, is still trying to get dogs in Chicago adopted and fostered. So check out her Twitter if you're looking to foster a dog. That, that, that was amazing. But, yeah, no, number of players in W League besides Danny Colaprico, Stanton, one of them. Mots as well, obviously Sam Kerr. Um, Yuki, I agree. I think it was maybe like half that she was in Japan having an offseason half. There was like a straight-up tsunami going on. There was some weird stuff going on, but she's there now, but she's there now. So, so that's all that, that matters. But that's typically sort of what ends up happening in the offseason. Usually there's people try to 
fill that void with some some W League um, news, and that's sort of kind of what's what's been going on there. But today, if you might you might already know once this episode airs, but there was some fun news that came out from the NWSL and the Red Stars front office. Uh, the NWSL is officially recognizing the NWSL Players Association um, as sort of a, a labor union and and the official representative for bargaining rights for the NWSL uh, players. So if you want more information on that, we have a quick news blurb up on Hot Time in Old Town about it. And also the Chicago Red Stars front office announced that they are in a partnership with the Chicago Bandits and Chicago Sky to bring forth a Changing the Game initiative, which uh, they are launching a promotional package of three home opener tickets for each of these teams and a t-shirt for 50 bucks. And I thought that that was a pretty cool promotion and a little bit groundbreaking I feel like Chicago is very much in this unique position where holy shit they actually have three professional women's sports leagues in Chicago and it's just really cool to see them working together to to do something like this I think you know maybe someday they'll get a Chicago women's hockey team for the NWHL, that that would be pretty cool. I'm gonna like, I want to put that on my holiday wish list. You know, that would be awesome. But for now, I I think Chicago again is just in that unique kind of position. I don't think a lot of other markets have that. I mean, and this comes up actually with like uh, you 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 mentioned this in in like the group chat today, and when it comes to the NWSLPA stuff, like we're fucking Chicago, dude. Like we love to organize. We're a union town. And uh, we have always believed that we're always stronger if we're talking to each other and we're communicating and we're working together. And so I think that, um, yeah, I think that I'm so excited. I think I, I said this. I think the price point is perfect. 50 bucks for three home openers and a T-shirt. Yeah. Like, I'll buy it. Great. Love it. Um, yeah, I think that's fantastic. I've been dying for a partnership between the Red Stars and the Sky for a long time. And to have the Bandits in there as well is incredibly awesome. And I'm super stoked to see where this goes. Um, it's, yeah, it's very much like uh, all, like, we talk about this too, where women's sports in Chicago really, really fight for room in the marketplace. And it's going to be so much easier to do that when we're all working together. So I think it's great. Dude, I agree with that 100%. Here's three phenomenal women's teams in Chicago who play well, do well, have great athletes, achieve wonderful things, and Chicago needs to come out and support them. My forever column, 2K Infinity. Find me on Twitter always yelling about that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that those two bits of news uh, so far this offseason – um, I think we're, we're really good stuff to come out. Um, you know, both the stuff coming out from the league and, and the players association and this sort of like promotional thing. And I think it came at a good time because again, we're like hitting two months into this off season. I think there's a lot of folks out there that are super thirsty for any kind of relevant NWSL news. So for those of us who were waiting on it, I think today was a, a, a bit of a, a blessed day. So, let us know if you're going to like participate and try to get some of those tickets. Um, the shirt looks really cool. The Chicago sky went through a rebrand. So their new logo is on it. It's super, super cool. Um, 
black shirt, white logos. I think it's I think it's a good choice. Good, good choice. Um, but yeah, we missed y'all. And I really hope that everybody is like excited for the upcoming draft because that also got announced along with all this other great news. So in case you didn't know, Chicago, the home of the Red Stars and all these other awesome teams, is also going to be home to the 2019 NWSL draft. And I just got to go on record and say that Chicago is a kick-ass town and you should come hang out and not be a little scaredy cat talking about some cold weather and you should come through and hang out anyway and if you don't you'll probably be dead to me I'm just saying bye I mean we talk a lot about how great Chicago is in the summer because the NWSL is a summer league but it's also pretty great in the winter time too and also I want to I want to point this out as a very specific thing which is you don't get to complain about Chicago winters unless you live here and have to commute to your job every day and live your life in the winter for however many months out of the year. If you are afraid to come have an awesome time in the warm parts of the indoors of Chicago for like three days, man, I don't know if you're if I don't know if you're a real one. I don't think if you're I don't know if you're going to make it make it in this world. Um it's going to be fun. I've never been to a draft, but um, I'm, I'm stoked on it. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be cool. This is a good city to have this. So, No, I'm really excited about it. Um, drafts are cool. Drafts are fun. I went to the draft last year in Philly. It was it was pretty dope. Um, big things happen at the draft. And if you guys don't know, Chicago historically has had some pretty awesome draft day moments. And this year in particular, the Chicago Red Stars have themselves three picks in the first round alone. So who knows what's going to happen with those picks on that day. You should come through and say hi and find out. It's going to take place in January, on January 10th. That's a Thursday, 2019. Uh, it's going to start at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's Chicago time for y'all. Um, and it's going to take place at McCormick Place in the West Building. So it's going to it's going to be a good time. It's it's a part of a, it's a larger part of the United Soccer Coaches Convention that's going to take place. So it's going to be busy. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on um, and it'll it'll be a good time. I'm sure that local one, three, four is probably going to show up and, and do cool things and, and, and bring the noise as, as they always do. So it'll it'll be a good time. So show us that you're a real one and come through to Chicago in January and say what's up to me and Claire. Claire, I missed you. I'm glad that you agreed to come do this Danny Colaprico show with me. Can you let the good people know where they can find you and work and plug some of your stuff that's out there because you got some cool stuff out there today? Yeah, I I mean, not unlike the NWSL, I took a bit of an off season for the last couple of months. I haven't done a ton, um, but this week I had actually quite a bit of content come out. I mean, things are happening. Got to talk about it. Um, I'm on the I'm I produce and am on the Equalizer podcast pretty much every week. That comes out on Monday mornings for um, their subscribers. Uh, I also have a piece that came out on Equalizer this week about just kind of larger term league issue stuff like it's time for big picture conversations so it's it's one of those um and yeah as the draft comes up i'm sure we'll whip up some stuff for y'all uh we haven't figured out what that is yet but it'll happen um 
And you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Scout Ripley, which is also the uh, the name of, of my uh, my music project. So, yeah, I think that's all I got for right now. Support your favorite local Chicago band. It's Scott Ripley, y'all. They're good. As the draft approaches closer, I'm sure we're going to drop some info in terms of uh, what we have coming for you guys, whether it's from the Southside Trap Front or the Hot Time in Old Town Front. We will promise to keep you guys posted on all that. In the meantime, if you want to follow me in my shenanigans, you can do that on Twitter, at Sanrera underscore. That's H-E-R-R-E-R-A underscore. If you want to continue to support the Southside Trap Podcast, you can do that by following along on Podbean.com or you can follow us on Twitter at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. That's one letter P, guys. Southside Trap Pod. And you can also like and subscribe and leave a nice little review on iTunes because Southside Trap Podcast is available on iTunes. So leave us a little message. Let us know how much you love Chicago because we love to read about people who love Chicago. And everybody stay warm. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Peace.